Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, April 28th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we are going to talk about another Orioles loss as they fall to the Yankees 5-2 on Wednesday night and have now lost three in a row, and they do lose the series to New York. We're also going to talk about some Brandon Hyde news. It was reported on Wednesday by Nathan Ruiz of the Baltimore Sun that Hyde is getting a contract extension through at least 2023. We don't know how much longer, but he will be back next year for the Orioles. And then some Orioles news and notes at the end of the pod as well. Some injury news in terms of timelines with Adley Rutschman, D.L. Hall, Dean Kramer, and others. Uh, some news on Ryan Mountcastle, why he was scratched from the lineup. And some thoughts from Mike Elias, who spoke to the media on Wednesday. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So today we're talking all things Orioles. We'll talk about their loss to the Yankees, talking Brandon Hyde coming back, and talking some news and notes as well. But first of all, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Blue Nile. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Orioles listeners get $50 off a purchase of $500 or more. Just use code LOCKEDON at checkout. And again, before we get to the episode, just want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. Free and available anywhere you get your pods, Monday through Friday, five episodes a week, every week. We thank you so much for tuning in here on the podcast. We are on YouTube as well. If you could hit that red subscribe button, like, comment on the videos as well here on YouTube. And of course, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and a review if you can. That really, really helps out the pod. But again, just want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. And for your first listen today, we're going to start with another Orioles loss as the O's fall 5-2. to two. And Yankee Stadium on Wednesday night in Game 2 of the series against the Yankees. Orioles now 6-12 and on the season. They have lost three in a row, and they've lost the first two of three against the Yanks in this one. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 5-2 loss to the Yankees. But the first thing you need to know is that Tyler Wells had his best start in the major leagues. As he got the ball on the bump for the Orioles on Wednesday night, and he was pretty good, and it was very encouraging to see how far he worked into the game and how well he pitched. Wells' final line, he goes a career-high five innings while allowing just two runs on three hits, strikes out four, does not walk anyone, and those only runs he gave up, it was a two-run homer hit by Giancarlo Stanton in the bottom of the first inning, and then Wells rattled off four straight scoreless innings after that. He threw 72 pitches, also a career high to get through those five innings. His ERA down to 5.54, and he allowed six hard-hit balls on the night. And for Wells, it, it was a really good sign. You know, he, he allowed a base runner with one away in the first inning, and Stanton just squared up a fastball, hit it way out to right center field for a two-run homer. And you thought, oh no, this could be another rough day for Wells, who 
You know, two out of three of his starts have been rough. His one good one was at home against the Yankees a couple of weeks ago. But he battled back after the Stanton ball, actually retired 10 of the next 11 batters after the Stanton home run, really settled down, and he put up a good start. And listen, he wasn't crazy dominant. Four strikeouts to no walks in five innings. I will take that every day of the week. But he wasn't crazy dominant. He only got six whiffs on his 72 pitches. So, you know, the stuff wasn't at its best. His fastball... Average 93.3 miles an hour. It was actually down. Uh, his year-long average is right at 94, so a little down. He did max out at 95, but, you know, in general, it wasn't crazy fastball velocity. He got two whiffs on the fastball, two on the changeup, including a, a really good-looking strikeout to Joey Gallo in the second inning. But, you know, he threw enough strikes to get the job done. He, he threw mostly that fastball, but, you know, he dropped in the curve and the slider and the changeup. And overall, again, just a solid day for Tyler Wells. I think the best pitch on the day was probably the changeup, you could argue, because he got the swings and misses with it, but the curveball was in the strike zone a little bit more, so he did mix up the off-speeds well, and at the end of the day, listen, five innings, two runs, including four consecutive scoreless after the two-run homer. You'll take that every day of the week from Wells, and uh, this is another check mark for him that he's going to stay in this Oriole rotation and he stretches out to five innings, which is another good sign for the O's transitioning the former reliever back into a starter here in the major leagues. Second thing you need to know from the Orioles 5-2 loss to the Yankees is that Anthony Santander has now been on base in all 18 games for the Orioles this season. There's only one other player in Major League Baseball that has started this season with an 18-game on-base streak. That is Trey Turner of the Dodgers, who also extended his streak on Wednesday, had a 2-for-4 in the Dodgers' 3-to-1 loss to the Arizona Diamondbacks. But for Anthony Santander, he continues to do it, and not only did he continue the on-base streak on Wednesday, but he was the Orioles' offense on Wednesday. Hit a two-run homer in the top of the sixth inning, a mammoth shot out to left field off of the Yankee starter Jordan Montgomery to tie the game at two, essentially knocked Montgomery out of the game in the sixth inning with that swing. Orioles offense was silent for the first five innings, uh, but Santander tried to wake him up as best he could with the two-run shot, and uh, that ball was smoked off the bat. Now, to be fair, it was his only hit of the night, and the Orioles did only have five hits on the night, but for Santander, he leaves the ballpark. Yes, you know, he did strike out two times as well, but Listen, you got to give the guy credit. He's been on base in all 18 games. There's only one other guy in Major League Baseball that could say that. Ball was hit 110 miles per hour off the bat. Home run traveled 427 feet. Uh, that ball, a home run in every single ballpark in Major League Baseball. He crushed that one. And uh, it was from the right side as well. And I think a lot of people see him as a better left-handed hitter uh, in the switch hitter Santander. But he hit that ball hard. And he's really the only guy who, you know, Hit it hard too many times for the Orioles on Wednesday night after eight runs on Tuesday. It was kind of an offensive struggle again with just the five hits, but he looked good in that swing, and it's good to see him you know, healthy so far this year and really swinging the bat well for the Orioles. And he's got his team high 852 OPS, and nobody's really even coming close to that number in the rest of this Oriole offense so far. Third thing you need to know from this Orioles loss is that for the second straight night, you know, the bullpen was just a little bit shaky. And you need to know that Felix Bautista and Joey Crable, they are both rookies and they are both human. That is what we learned from Wednesday night's game. We'll start with Crable, who entered the game in the sixth after Tyler Wells 
through those five strong innings, had just gotten that two-run homer from Santander in the top of the sixth to tie the game at two. And Crable entered the game in the bottom of the sixth, still with a zero ERA coming out of the Oriole bullpen on the year, and just didn't have his best up. He threw six consecutive balls to start the inning as he ended up walking LeMahieu on four pitches, went behind Judge 2-0, then actually came back to strike out Aaron Judge, uh, but then allowed a single to Anthony Rizzo. LeMahieu went to third on the play, and Brandon Hyde was pretty quick with the uh, with the hook on that when he brought Crable out of the game, brought in Felix Bautista to face Stanton and Donaldson and Labor Torres, needing strikeouts to get out of that inning, and Bautista couldn't get the strikeouts. It was a sack fly from Stanton off Bautista that scored the run to make it 3-2 Yankees in the sixth uh, that stopped Crable's run of scoreless outings to start the year. Now, Bautista did get out of the sixth inning, but he re-entered in the seventh, and uh, he, he threw a fastball over the middle of the plate to Joey Gallo, and it was uh, really, honestly, below the middle of the plate probably, but Gallo hit it out uh, for his second home run in as many nights, a solo shot to make it 4-2, to and then Bautista allowed a little bloop single off the bat of Isaiah Conner-Falefa, and then he left the game without allowing, or without recording an out, I should say, in the seventh, and Dylan Tate came in, allowed that run to score, so Bautista was charged with two earned runs in just two-thirds of an inning, but the big thing on Bautista, you know, he hasn't allowed a lot of hard-hit balls this year. He allowed three of them in this game, including the home run and including that sack fly from Stanton, which went almost to the warning track in dead center field. And in general for Bautista, you know, I tweeted this out from the at Locked on Orioles account. Make sure to go follow us over there. But really the issue with Bautista on Wednesday night was that he's got that crazy good fastball with, you know, that riding action. It's got such a good spin rate that it essentially looks like it rises out of his hand. And because he's so tall and he throws from over the top, it really does look like the ball you know, rises a bit and at the very least stays on the same plane as it goes in towards home plate. But what Bautista did was he was throwing that fastball down in the zone. The sack fly from Stanton was a fastball down in the zone. The home run hit by Gallo was a fastball down in the zone. And even though he's throwing those pitches, you know, both at 98 miles an hour, when it's down in the zone, it doesn't have that riding life. It becomes more of a flat fastball. And that ball gets hit harder because even though it's 98-99, guys can hit that in this game. It's it's just as much about that spin rate and that rise as it is about the velocity with four-seam fastballs nowadays. And Bautista is not that effective low in the zone. You flip that, he's incredibly effective up in the zone, as we've seen all year. And he's a rookie. He'll learn, and he'll know that he's got to get that fastball up. And when he doesn't, you know, he's still going to get hit despite that high velocity. Fourth thing you need to know from this one is that, hey, you know, Ramon Arias, it's been a struggle for him early this season after, you know, kind of a breakout 2021 with the Orioles, but maybe he's finding it again after a two-hit night, his third two-hit game of the season. And for Ramon Arias, he hit the ball really well, went two for four with two singles. Now, he did strike out late in the game, but he had three hard-hit balls on the day, two of them uh, ended up being hits. He's got his average back over the Mendoza line, hitting 203 now on the season, but the issue for Arias is that despite the 203 average, I mean, even coming into Wednesday's game before he had the two hits and the three hard hit balls, he had an expected batting average of 305, despite his average being below 200 on the season, which means he's been one of the unluckiest hitters in this Orioles lineup this year. He's hitting the ball hard and he's just not getting lucky. The defenders are making good plays. They're positioned well. 
and he's going to start to get rewarded. And I think we saw the start of that Wednesday night with the two hits, and hopefully that continues for Ramon Arias because the Orioles really need his bat to start heating up in this lineup. And then the fifth and final thing that you need to know from the Orioles' 5-2 loss to the Yankees is that it's more of a question than something you need to know. What's Chris Owings doing here? He gets the start in this game for the Orioles at second base, batting seventh. He goes 0-2 for with a strikeout, and they pinch hit for him with Rugnet Odor, and Odor actually gets two at-bats. He goes 0-2. He's a whole other story we'll get to in another episode, but... I mean, Chris Owings now on the season. Uh, I just don't. I don't get why he's here. He's 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 two for sixteen at the plate with eleven strikeouts. He's he's got the two singles. He's drawn three walks. But I mean, two for sixteen with eleven strikeouts is horrendous. And I get that he's versatile and he's a veteran. He's been around. He's thirty years old. He can't hit, and he's made a couple errors in the field. He hasn't been terrible or anything. He can play basically every position. But, I mean, you know, when he was brought in, we talked about how he was basically Pat Faleka, but probably a step up from Pat Faleka. He's been a step down from what Pat Faleka produced at times for the Orioles. He's been worse. And you look down in AAA, and you've got Ryland Bannon hitting the ball well, and Jemai Jones had a hot start, and he just homered on Tuesday, maybe starting to swing it well again. Tyler Nevin is scorching hot down at AAA, and, and that's just your infielders. And even Richie Martin has started to come on, and he had a really good spring training as well. You've got all those guys waiting at AAA who, you know, a lot of them or some of them are are, are prospects in your system. At least Bannon, Jones, and Nevin are prospects, and Martin was at one point. And Owings is a 30-year-old journeyman who you signed to a minor league deal. I mean, what is he still doing in the big leagues? I know it's a small sample size. You know, it's only 16 at-bats. you got to give him more of a chance to, to even out and, and try and get it going. But, you know, he's not even a starter. He's playing sparingly. He's the utility guy off the bench. Just give somebody else that role. I, I, I've i seen enough of Chris Owings. But that's the five things you need to know as the Orioles fall 5-2 to two to the Yankees. Again, fall to 6-12 and 12 on the season. But... On the flip side, there was some some good news for the Orioles, depending on how you see it, on Wednesday, and it came about Brandon Hyde. Now, we knew, or at least we thought, he was managing under a one-year contract here in 2022, but now we know he's been extended through at least 2023 to continue managing the Orioles. So we're going to talk a little bit about what that means for the O's, for Brandon Hyde, for the prospects coming up, and what it means for Buck Britton as well as the future of the Orioles. But first... Let's just stop for a minute and talk about BlueNile.com because Mother's Day is coming up and, you know, you might want to get your mom that piece of everyday fine jewelry. And whether she prefers a statement piece or that everyday subtle elegance, BlueNile.com has fine jewelry options for every mom. Shop high-quality classic diamond earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, or gemstone pendant necklaces. And if you're looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing, BlueNile.com is the place to go. They have jewelry experts on hand 24-7. They're available by phone or by chat to help you find that memorable gift really at any budget. That is what's so helpful about BlueNile.com. And this Mother's Day, you can give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Oreos listeners get $50 off their purchase of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day. 
So use the code locked on. That's code locked on. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress free and find your forever peace. Go to bluenile.com today. So we're talking Orioles and the managerial situation. And Brandon Hyde, who we learned at the end of the 2021 season that quietly early last season, Brandon Hyde had been given a one-year extension. When the Orioles initially hired him and Mike Elias kind of handpicked him to be the manager to lead this rebuilding team before the 2019 season, he signed a three-year contract and he was given a quiet one-year extension early in the 2021 season. So we knew he was at least going to be the manager through this 2022 season. But we came into the year thinking that he was managing under a one-year contract. And if you know anything from watching the movie Moneyball, managers don't really like that. Well, it was reported by Nathan Ruiz of the Baltimore Sun on Wednesday that Brandon Hyde, at least according to Ruiz's industry sources, has been given another extension that keeps him as the Orioles manager through at least 2023. So at the very least, he's going to be Orioles manager through next season as well. However, Ruiz reporting that the industry source would not say or at least maybe didn't know how long the extension really is. So it could be another one-year extension that puts him through next year. It could be a three, four-year extension that sees him be the, you know, at least in the plans, the long-term manager of the Baltimore Orioles and the guy who takes them from rebuilding to a good baseball team again. And so my initial thought on this was positive. I I like this move. And in Nathan's story in the Baltimore Sun, there were some good quotes from guys like Austin Hayes, Trey Mancini, Cedric Mullins, and others uh, just talked about you know how much they have loved playing under Brandon Hyde over the last you know three plus seasons now as he's in now his fourth season as Oriole manager. And I get you know he's got a 136 and 266 record now. It's just a 338 winning percentage and. It's the worst of any manager in baseball over that stretch, but you know he's been he's been given no talent on the field to work with. That's what we've really talked about a lot on this podcast. Is you know I get it, Brandon Hyde doesn't have a good managerial record, but what's he supposed to do? And yet you know people get mad at his bullpen moves or whatever he does, but you know he's looking down at that bullpen. He's only got you know two or three guys he can trust at any time. This is kind of the best bullpen stretch he's he's ever had. As Orioles manager, that's through the first you know 18 games of this season. Even that over the last couple of games has has you know been a, been a little shaky, obviously, in these first two games at Yankee Stadium. But in total, I'm happy with this move by the Orioles, even if it's just one more year and it, it's now guaranteed through 2023 that he'll be Oriole manager. I'm really happy with this because I think he's done a great job, and you know we've learned of of kind of the personal side of it, how big he was for Trey Mancini, and Trey talked about it in this Nathan Ruiz piece that you definitely got to go read at the Baltimore Sun how supportive he was with Trey and how supportive he was with Cedric Mullins when he went through all of his struggles in 2019 and ended up in double A and, you know, working with him in 2020, how supportive he was of Austin Hayes last year when Hayes was almost into a platoon situation before he broke out for a 20 homer season. Paul Fry talked about, you know, how Brandon Hyde kept in contact with him, even through his second half struggles. And even when, you know, he was sent down and spent the last month of the season in AAA last year and basically couldn't throw a strike or get anybody out. Paul Fry talked about how he was still in contact with Brandon Hyde and how supportive he was that whole time. And he seems to be a true players manager. And that's great news, especially for a first time manager. You know, this is Hyde's first managerial job. Orioles hired him. Uh, He was in the Cubs dugout and then won that world series over there with Chicago. But you know, it seems like the O's players really love him. And I get that this current Orioles team and all these Orioles players, not a lot of them are going to be around when the Orioles are good again. 
But the core guys like Mullins, Hayes, and Mancini quoted in this article, big fans of Brandon Hyde. And I'm a pretty big fan of Brandon Hyde too. And listen, I like Buck Britton. The Orioles definitely love Buck Britton. They've moved him up to be the AAA Norfolk manager here in 2022. He continues to ascend up the Orioles system since he finished his playing career with the Orioles in the minors. They love Buck Britton too. But, you know, just because you're a AAA manager one year doesn't mean the very next year you're going to be ready to be a big league manager. Britton's probably going to have to be, you know, some sort of bench coach or base coach at the big leagues for a year or two or whatever before he's ready to maybe be a big league manager. So, Maybe the O's still have it in their plans that Buck Britton is the future manager, but right now, I like Brandon Hyde in this spot. You can't blame him for managerial record when he's had basically no talent on his major league roster for his four seasons now he's been manager. And I know I've talked about this multiple times here on this podcast, but he's done great with what he's had. You know, he's helped guys to break out seasons. He's been a good player manager. Hey, even in 2020, the Orioles were in the playoff race to the last week or two of that shortened 60-game season. That was, that was fun to watch in that 2020 year. And Brandon Hyde was pushing a lot of right buttons that season. And the other big thing with this move that Nathan Ruiz points out is that, you know, even at the very least, you know, one more year, 2023, if he's managing through all of next year, he's going to see most of the Orioles top prospects get to the big leagues. Like he's going to manage Grayson Rodriguez and Adley Rutschman and DL Hall and, and Kyle Bradish all getting Kyle Stowers as well, all getting to the big leagues this year. And then next season, you know, if things go well, he could manage Jordan Westberg in the big leagues and Gunnar Henderson in the big leagues and Drew Rahm in the big leagues. And, you know, if things go really well, maybe by the end of next year, it's Kobe Mayo and, and Colton Cowser and, 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 you know, these guys come into the bigs as well under Brandon Hyde. And yeah, it'd be, you know, one thing to have them come up and, and, you know, continue to be coached by a guy like Buck Britton, but Brandon Hyde seems to be a player's manager. The players love him. And I think this is the right move by the Orioles. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if we learn if it's just another one-year extension or it's two, three, four years that he's extended. I would assume it's probably just one more year, and he's probably just locked up through 2023 for now. But I think this is a good move by the Orioles' front office. I like Brandon Hyde. I think he's done a great job with the cards he's been dealt. And what I want to see out of Hyde before I really can give you this evaluation is how he does this year when the top prospects come up, how he handles those guys, and then what he can do next year when hopefully the Orioles are trying to put a watchable, somewhat competitive product on the field. Then after 2023, I think you can really start to evaluate Hyde. But for now, I think he's done a good job with what he's been given, and I love this move by the Orioles. And although Brandon Hyde, that news is probably the biggest news of the day for the Orioles Wednesday, there was a lot of news Wednesday. Mike Elias spoke to the media, gave a lot of updates, and other news came out of Birdland. So we're going to get to that news here in just a second. But first, did want to tell you about betonline.net. And listen, you know betonline.net. We've talked about them a lot on this pod, but it is the place to go for all your sports wagering needs. It's the place for betting. It's the place for finding lines, finding totals, finding MLB win totals, whatever it may be. It's the place to get NBA playoff odds, NHL playoff odds. It's the place to get odds on anything. It's also your spot for sports news. You can get sports podcasts like this one. You can get you know injury updates on certain players. You can get live scores at betonline.net as well. You can also play your favorite Vegas casino games there right from the comfort of of your couch. 
So make sure you head over to betonline.net for all your sports wagering needs. That's betonline.net, where the game starts. So we finish up today with some more Orioles news and notes here on the podcast. We start with Mike Elias, Oriole GM, who spoke with the media on Wednesday and uh, gave some important updates, both injury and others, on uh, a multitude of players. Just wanted to run through, give quick thoughts on, on some of the things he talked about. First thing he said... That John Means had successful Tommy John surgery on Wednesday in Texas. Of course, John Means let us know over the weekend he was getting Tommy John. He'll be done for all of this season. But Elias was very hopeful when talking about the surgery. He said it went really well. He's going to start his rehab immediately. And, you know, I've talked about I feel like best case scenario is Means return to the Oriole rotation after the All-Star break in 2023. Mike Elias seemed to think, you know, his track is trying to get John Means to the Orioles rotation back in the big leagues in the first half of next season, which would be great. And even if he returns right after the All-Star break, it would be great. But the way Mike Elias talked, they expect John Means at the very least to definitely pitch in an Oriole uniform in 2023. And it seems like at least for half the season next year, he expects to have John Means. So that is definitely, definitely some good news. In terms of other pitchers dealing with injuries, obviously D.L. Hall was at extended spring training. We saw him pitch in spring training. He joined the Aberdeen Ironbirds along with Adley Rutschman this week. It was announced that D.L. Hall will start the Friday game for the Ironbirds this week in Aberdeen. So if you want to watch Hall, head up to Aberdeen on Friday night. Uh, Elias said he should go around four innings. He's been built up enough at extended spring training in Sarasota that he should go about four innings in Friday's game. And you know, he might be closer than you think to being big league ready, and it might not be long in Aberdeen. It might just be one start before he goes up to Bowie and then eventually to Norfolk, and then hopefully at some point this season, I think we're going to see D.L. Hall maybe right after the All-Star break, but potentially sooner because Michael Elias did have that quote you know, early in spring training that you could see Hall in the big league sooner than you think. So uh, excited to see him back on the mound in affiliated ball on Friday night. Speaking of Aberdeen, of course, Adley Rutschman is there as well. He DH'd in the Wednesday night game after playing five innings, catching on Tuesday night. Did go 0 for 4 at the dish, but uh, hit some balls hard. Center fielder made a fantastic catch on the warning track to rob him of extra bases at one point. Hit some balls hard the other way. It's not about the results. It's about him staying healthy and looking good at the plate, and that was accomplished in Wednesday night's game. Now, we mentioned D.L. Hall and extended spring training. One of the guys that's still down there for the Orioles is Matt Harvey. Elias said that Harvey is going to start Thursday morning's extended spring training game for the Orioles. They'll try to stretch him out a little bit more and then said they will start to move him through the minor league ranks. Now, it's interesting because he's not on any kind of rehab assignment. He was just signed late in spring training by the Orioles, re-signed to a minor league deal, then sent to the expended or the extended spring training. So it's very possible that Harvey goes right from extended spring training to AAA Norfolk and will probably make some starts for the Tides, and then the Orioles will, after that, I assume evaluate whether or not they want to bring him up back to the big league rotation. Uh, Elias declined to comment on the potential of Harvey being suspended uh, for his involvement in the Tyler Skaggs trial and, you know, the tragic death of, of Tyler Skaggs and how we learned of Harvey's involvement this offseason. MLB has been kind of quiet on if the suspension's coming down, but the Orioles obviously operating like they'll have Matt Harvey if they'd like to use him this year. So we could see him sooner rather than later back in the bigs with the Orioles. Obviously, Harvey wasn't great last year, but it's something, and with all the pitching injuries, you know, 
we will see. But speaking of pitching injuries, of course, with Chris Ellis going on the injured list after you know he couldn't record an out and left the game with shoulder inflammation in Anaheim on Sunday, the Orioles replaced him with Alexander Wells on the roster, and then Wells threw an inning and two-thirds in relief on Tuesday night at Yankee Stadium. Now, Wells would probably still be available to start Saturday's game, which would have been Chris Ellis's next turn through the rotation Saturday at Camden Yards against the Red Sox. But Kyle Bradish, who worked up to 86 pitches in his last start in AAA Norfolk, he's been dominant so far this year, 25-year-old righty, Orioles' top 10 prospect. He was scheduled to start Wednesday night for Norfolk. He was actually moved back to Friday. So now he's planning to pitch Friday which would put him a lot closer to that Orioles scheduled Saturday start. And Michael Elias did not say when asked that Kyle Bradish is the starter this weekend for the Orioles, but did say the Orioles still need a starter. They're going to evaluate their options, you know, when they get to Friday to see who's pitched out of the bullpen this week. And he certainly did not rule out the chance of Kyle Bradish making his major league debut at Camden Yards this weekend. Could be Friday, could be Saturday. So watch out for that. Bradish definitely still an option to pitch at Camden Yards this weekend. And then the last big update was on Dean Kramer, who, of course, made the opening day roster for the Orioles but never appeared in a game because when he was warming up in the bullpen in that third game of the year in Tampa, felt an injury, had to sit down, ended up having an oblique injury, and the O's immediately placed him on the injured list. Uh, he said that, uh, or Michael Elias said that Dean Kramer is long tossing, he's throwing, he's coming back from that oblique injury, it's healing, but he said he's still at least a few weeks away from being a factor back in the big leagues for the Orioles. And then the last piece of news for the O's from Wednesday is that Ryan Mountcastle was scratched from the Oriole lineup. He was in the initial lineup for the Wednesday night game in New York, but was scratched. Uh, Brandon Hyde said it was because of neck stiffness, kind of joked it off a little bit, blamed it on the hotel pillows. Uh, so it doesn't seem like it's going to be anything long-term, anything IL for Ryan Mountcastle. Honestly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he is in the Thursday lineup for the Orioles. And that Thursday lineup, you'll get to see a little matinee baseball. Final game of the series between the O's and the Yankees. A 1.05 p.m. Eastern time start from Yankee Stadium. Final game of the series. Orioles trying to avoid the sweep at the hands of the Yankees. And the Oriole ace is headed to the mound. The lefty Bruce Zimmerman takes the hill for the O's with a 1-2-0 ERA and 16 Ks in 15 innings this year through his first three starts. Last time out for Bruce Six innings, two runs, five hits, six Ks, and a walk against the Angels. And he's also pitched against the Yankees this year. April 17th, five scoreless innings, four hits, six Ks, and two walks. He'll try to replicate that. And Jamison Tyone is going for the Yankees. The 30-year-old righty has a 3.07 ERA in three starts this year, 13 Ks in 14 and two-thirds innings. His last start against Cleveland, Five innings, seven hits, one run, five Ks, and no walks. And he's also started once this year against the Orioles back at Camden Yards on April 16th. They got him a little bit, got him out of the game early, four and two-thirds, two runs, three hits, two Ks, and a walk. Those two will match up on Thursday afternoon. And then we'll be back with you here on the pod on Friday. We will break down everything you need to know from Game 3 between the Orioles and the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. Get you some more Orioles news and notes, including updates on Adley Rutschman from Aberdeen. And then we will preview the three-game weekend series between the Orioles and the Red Sox as the O's return back to Camden Yards and talk about whether or not there is a potential of Kyle Bradish making his Major League debut 
in that weekend series. But that's all coming up on tomorrow's episode. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.